Welcome back to another kind of epic show, everyone. Uh, this is Chance Hoover, and in today's episode, we're going to touch on something that is a little out of our typical topic of discussion, but we feel is pretty important, and that is the recent incident of hazing and bullying that has come to light in the NFL uh, involving Richie Incognito and Jonathan Martin of the Miami Dolphins. seriousness though uh i feel kind of guilty because this whole culture of machismo in the nfl like i i never thought about the consequences of of that kind of stuff and i and it was it was you andrew when you shared the article from brian phillips on grantland last night that like really brought my attention to it yeah even though i'd heard a lot of the debate in pregame coverage on sundays and like in Meet the Press and just all over the news, but I, I didn't think about how much pressure or how much of a stigma there is towards being a man and what that means. And I think they've taken it to the extreme in the NFL. But could you go ahead and give the lovely people a little bit of an outline of exactly what happened uh, at the Miami Dolphins locker rooms and Twitterverse and well everywhere else? All right, uh, to give you a little background, uh, this involves uh, Richie Incognito. Uh, he's a lineman for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, or is he? Well, he he was uh, suspended indefinitely uh, from the team because of, the, of his actions. But uh, uh, prior to the Dolphins, uh, he joined them uh, in uh, 2010. And uh, before that, he played uh, one year with the Buffalo Bills. And then uh, before that, he, uh, w- he was drafted by the Rams. He played for them from uh, 2005 to 2009. So he's a shit stain, and he's played on bad teams his whole career. Is that what you're telling me? And a lot of, the reason he's he's moved to so many teams is uh, his behavior, uh, like on the field, uh, like uh, who was it? Who was it? You said we quoted as calling him a d bag. Uh, it was uh, his former teammate on the Rams. Uh, on the Rams. Yeah. The uh, can you pull up the article on Deadspin uh, Chance? Uh, yeah. What's what's the uh, um, the guy from the Saints? Name was Cam Cleland. Yeah, he used to, he played later played with Incognito on the Rams. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, because he, he was a rookie on the Saints. Uh, but uh, there were some issues with uh, Incognito from uh, day one. Like uh, he had issues uh, on field at, at Nebraska. Like uh, during the NFL Combine, you know, he was one of the strongest, most impressive players out there. But uh, there was concern about uh, his behavior uh, on the field and off the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he wasn't able to control his emotions. It's a lot. There's. An- and the Dama King Su is a lot like that as well. I've noticed. J- just on field, like uh, I haven't heard any you know negative things about him. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, because everything I, you know, I've seen, you know, that guy comes off, you know, as an as a, a likable, okay guy, you know, uh, off field. Like, Not but, so with Cognito, incognito rather. Yeah. Not so incognito. And really, if you break down his name, he's a secret dick. Yeah, I know. That's why I was, that's why I made the joke initially about is he still playing for the Dolphins because it, his name should just read. Riddishy question mark. They should just put a question mark on the back of his jersey, actually. And uh, I remember, uh, I forget which uh, website, uh, but uh, Incognito was actually a player passed up by the Colts, someone they were looking, uh, mm-hmm. because because of his character issues. Uh, he was a do-not-draft, because-of-character-issues uh, player, and he actually fell uh, several rounds uh, in the draft because of that. Because uh, of that ca- ca- Because of character issues. Uh, yeah. so- and he's actually been, like, uh, called one of the dirtiest players in the NFL because, like, uh, the way, like, uh, he's uh, tried to gouge players' eyes out uh, when trying to make a tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, more specifically, uh, uh, with relation to... Oh, uh, I was kind of building... That, but yeah. basically what happened, like, uh, uh, he... Uh, it recently came out uh, that uh, he'd been part, a ringleader of uh, hazing of uh, Jonathan Martin, uh, another member of the offensive line for the Dolphins. Uh, Jonathan is a second-year player. Uh, he was drafted out of Stanford. Uh, teammate of Andrew Luck, uh, Richard Sherman... And a couple other, uh, Doug Baldwin, I think, as well, uh, from the Seahawks. Uh, okay. 
so, you know, he's, he's not exactly a soft guy, which a lot of uh, Dolphins players are calling them. He played under coach uh, Jim Harbaugh. And Harbaugh, you know, he's not like a dictator. You know, he's not, you know, cruel to the players. But, you know, he's an intense guy. Yeah, you know, he's got a reputation for getting stuff done. And getting the attention of his players, making everybody work for him. Yeah, he, he's really not the he's really you know, he's really not the guy to like you know yell at his players. He's not like you know a Bob Knight in the in that sense where you know he takes out uh, his frustrations you know directly on the players. I mean you know he's you see him intense uh, uh, on the sidelines during games. Like uh, there's a pretty funny gift from a couple of weeks ago. I, I can't remember who they, were, who they were playing. I think the Jaguars and. Uh, he had this look of disbelief, and uh, somebody captured it. I can't believe we're only up by 24 points. <laughs> yeah, so so it's not like everybody's been accusing Jonathan Martin of being soft, or at least if they're not accusing him, they're debating his toughness. But uh, basically what happened is, uh, I guess this has been going on, you know, since uh, Martin's... Since preseason, in my understanding. Oh, even like since rookie... His, some, yeah, yeah so since Martin's uh, rookie season. Okay, so it's been over a year. Yeah, and... Uh, like, you know, Incognito has been, you know, uh, sending him uh, threatening uh, text messages, leaving uh, racist uh, voicemails where he threatens his mother, threatened to crap in his mouth. Yeah. Um, I know it's been on – hasn't it been on Twitter too? Like, yeah. Like, have been on the internet. It, like, it, it's the point where Jonathan Martin didn't have a place to go where he could avoid the barrage of insults and the demeaning behavior. And, like, one of the reasons, you know, uh, we're kind of suspecting that he might not have gone to, you know – uh, higher ups in the Dolphins organization, uh, it was the I believe it was the uh, offensive line or the offensive coordinator who uh, told Incognito uh, bring him into the fold, uh, toughen him up. Uh, because uh, in April, like uh, following the draft uh, or free agency, uh, there are these things called OTAs in the NFL, uh, organized team activities. They're mm-hmm. uh, kind of informal things. Uh, they're voluntary to attend, but it's uh, kind of a way to get uh, players to gel with each other. For example. Uh, right. Uh, during the offseason, uh, Peyton Manning and Wes Welker worked together after uh, Welker was signed uh, as a free agent to kind of, you know, start gelling as uh, uh, quarterback and uh, pass, uh, quarterback and receiver to right. trying to get their timing right. Uh, and uh, J- Jonathan Martin uh, didn't miss two of those. And, you know, these type of things, you know, they're voluntary in name, but, you know, really, you know, that means you they're show up. obligatory still, yes. So, you know, really he just, you know, what the coach wanted was, you know, hey, to incognito to call Martin up. Hey, you know, uh, I know these are voluntary, but, you know, they're really useful yeah, to us as a team. we'd like to have you here. We want to make you we want to make you a more incorporated part of the team. Right? Totally understandable, but misconstrued, I think. And, you know, it's not just incognito who was uh, hazing uh, Martin. Uh, yeah, the majority of the Miami Dolphins team either, either willingly uh, aided in the bullying or were just bystanders to it and didn't do anything about it. Like, uh, one thing, like, the, the, a lot of teams do this, uh, they'll, uh, go out to dinner, run up an expensive tab, and then have the rookies pay for it, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, uh, if it's not a super expensive meal, you know, that's all fine and good, yeah, but, I'd uh, love Jack in the Box, that'd be alright. These are, like, you know, $30,000 meals, I mean, yeah, I realize, you know, that's, I mean, when you take in consideration that, you know, probably, like, you know, 53 men, pl- probably plus the practice squad... Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a reasonable. It's not like it's an unreasonable amount of money to spend, but for a player who's gonna be receiving a signing bonus, maybe what a hundred thousand. Like he's. It's not like he's got a lot of money in his pocket. He's coming from having no job, being in school, to taking his first job in his career. Yeah, that's problematic because like uh, maybe less so under the previous collective bargaining agreement, but uh, under the new CBA. Uh, Rookies are paid uh, less than veterans. For example, Andrew Luck, uh, the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, uh, uh, I believe his uh, he's making a total of like uh, I think it's like either four million a season or four million for his four, first four years to total. But you either know, way, he's playing the highest paid position in the NFL. So yeah, it's it's a bargain for you know a player that lo- so you know, if you're drafted later on, you get paid less, uh, yeah. which makes sense because. Uh, yeah, this is another debate, uh, but it can cause salary cap problems later on, as the Lions have found out, like with uh, Matt Stafford and uh, Calvin Johnson. Yeah. But uh, the problem with this is like with you know having rookies pay for you know that much amount of having like a single rookie, uh, which is what reports initially said. Uh, thankfully, it appears there was like eleven to fourteen uh, rookies who paid for the meal, but that's still like you know two thousand uh, to two thousand seven hundred dollars uh, a piece for them. That's you know it's decent amount of change, and yeah. especially when you consider that uh, the average career span in the NFL is about uh, three years. Right, because of it, with injuries and, like, the whole... Yeah, the younger players are 
clearly highly sought after. They're coming out of the draft, but I mean, like if you if you have a string of injuries, it could be just like one bad injury, and then other teams are not willing to pick you up, or, like that. or even like you know if you were great in college in your program, and yeah, you might wash out of. Uh, the professional uh, league, uh, for example, uh, Steve Alford from uh, oh, the, I know Steve Alford, the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, he was drafted in the to NBA the Mavericks for a short while. Yeah, he didn't last that long. Uh, now he's one of the best coaches ever. Argue <laughs> that's my opinion, but whatever. But yeah, you, you really don't know if uh, your college skills will translate to the real world. For example, uh, Tim Tebow, you know, one of the most successful uh, college quarterbacks of all time. Uh, his uh, skill set really doesn't translate to the NFL. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, but uh, Martin uh, went to the press uh, because, you know, it seems like, you know, he couldn't trust uh, the Dolphins front office because, uh, you know, I, I don't really buy any of their, you know, denying of knowledge of this. I mean, the coaches know what's going on to a certain extent. Yeah, well, they have to. Their job is to manage these players. They can't now. There is the level of privacy, which you mm-hmm. and I were discussing earlier, that the locker room is sort of a, sanct- a sanctuary for the players where the coaches – should leave them to have their own space, like for them to. If you were to imagine a group like a, three brothers and mom and dad leave the house, that like that is the kind of the atmosphere that they you would expect in a locker room. But things, in, at least in Miami, went too far, and I, I mean, they all talk. They talk about handling it in house, as if the the individual teams or even to the point of just, like, the two players involved have a responsibility to work out the differences or resolve their issues on their own, and that if they can't do that, like, if they can't do it verbally, then the other opportunity, the other option is to fight each other. Like, even um, Mike Dicka was quoted as saying in his time as a coach with the Saint, with the New Orleans Saints. And probably also the a, Bears, because uh, he, he was a coach of the Bears for a number of years. Yeah, but he he was quoted as saying that in his time as a coach, if, if you had a player who was bullying another player, what you did was you pulled him out of the locker room and you kicked his ass. But that no one seemed to be too concerned about what was going on, and at least if they were, they didn't say anything about it, whether it would be a player or a staff member or a, anything like that. And I think... That that pressure there is wrong because if if a player has something happening in their personal life because this is this is a personal issue this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't an NFL football related issue it happened between two football players sure but it's it's more of a personal thing and if someone has a if an NFL player or a sports player of any kind has an issue in their personal life it is like it is their business to handle it outside of the of the organization. And especially in this instance where he wasn't receiving any support from his teammates and he knew that, where else would he turn but to the fans of the, of the NFL, like the people who watch football, the people who have a vested interest in what happens there? I just I think it's a little outlandish to think that two grown men who are paid to lift weights and hit other grown men are being told that if they have an emotional issue or any kind of issue that that they need to just stifle that because in like in my personal experience if you if you're holding on to aggressions of any kind what like whatever the trigger is of those aggressions and then your job is to go out and do physical harm to other people that's just not a good that's not a good mental place to be like you're going to you're going to take out those aggressions on other people and that could be serious injuries which we know you know we don't want to see that in the NFL like the the object is to sure to play a tough game but in the end it's just a sport it's, it's just a game when it boils down and i don't i don't know do you think that if there were or do you think that there should be an extension of the team like part of part of the team staff who are there specifically to deal with interactions amongst the players i feel like there needs to be something that uh, an outlet for players to go to when they're having issues with another player that someone who isn't on the coaching staff that so it's not going to affect you know their playing eligibility on sunday or it's not going to affect the way the rest of the team's looking at them somewhere like a uh, a psychiatrist or even just uh another member of like the ownership who can sit down and talk to players and help them resolve personal emotional or mental issues. 
Well, it's uh, good that you bring that up. Uh, for example, uh, Pete Carroll with the Seattle Seahawks, uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, he has a very uh, positive approach to uh, coaching. Uh, for example, uh, for, like during training camp, uh, they would do breathing exercises. They would meditate. They have a, med- a person who does that leads meditation on staff. There's also a life coach. So uh, yeah. I think that might the life coach might sort of fulfill that role. Uh, yeah, definitely. Posit- it adds a level of positivity to to the atmosphere that otherwise is really negative because you're like I said the job is to hit other people or you know to do physical harm to other people and that's a really negative thing and it creates a lot of negative energy so I think I think you're right that maybe there should be something like some sort of outlet for players to deal with that negative energy and it's not as if this is the first instance of of bullying or hazing in the NFL we've known about other instances in the past um, one in particular that I w- thought we should talk about, which you mentioned, um, was the issue w- in the Saints in the '99, uh, yeah, '98, '99 season. Uh, what was the player's name? Uh, Cam Cleland. Cam Cleland. Uh, uh, he uh, he was involved. Like there was a hazing thing by the other players. Uh, he was a tight end. Uh, yeah, and this is his rookie year too. Mm-hmm, so rookie the, year. The hazing was a the hazing didn't just happen to him. This was like a, a ritual that they put the rookies through. And. Uh, they had to run down the hallway uh, with a pillowcase over their head, uh, run a gauntlet, uh, while their teammates would strike them with things. Uh, and uh, near the end of the line, he was struck in the face uh, by another player uh, with a sock full of coins that uh, broke his eye socket, uh, nearly lost his eye, and he uh, he uh, only has partial vision that, in that eye now. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, uh, I believe, because uh, he... He couldn't play because of that. Uh, the the media actually dug into it. They found out because they noticed him sitting on the bench in the preseason with a black eye. Right. And they dug into it and kind of brought that to light, which I think that's another thing, the uh, reason why Martin went to the media because in the past that been the if it if it's you know if if it's in house it can be buried you know um, you see this all the time in sports like uh, Notre Dame's done it like with regard to the player behavior like uh, one of their players was accused of raping another Notre Dame student uh, mm-hmm. she ended up killing herself and they didn't do anything to. Uh, you know, take care of him. Uh, yeah, and what do we, what do we do in in the rest of like in the normal world and in the real world? What do we do if we are dealing with with issues of aggression at home? If we're dealing with vi- verbal abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, everyone says seek help. Like, get it out. You need to tell someone. The only way to get the abuse to stop is if you go to somebody and tell them what's going on. Like, you if you hold that in, it creates this feeling of of being trapped and like being helpless that that the situation won't change and there's nothing that you can do to to fix it or to alleviate it in any way and I don't see why it should be any different for a player in the NFL in the end they're just people too like he had to go home after he got done working out and got done practicing every day and sit in his house and maybe play video games or or hang out with his family whatever why should he why should he be told there's a different way for him to handle his feelings than there is for everyone else. I just don't think that's right. And the, the reason which we we were discussing that we think that that is is because there's this I, I don't know maybe a negative word for it. maybe kind of like negative construction of masculinity is that Yeah, yeah, that's fine. We we were calling it the toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And and I think I mean you can talk about that a little bit cuz I know you've done some studying on like on gender roles and things like mm-hmm. that, but but just in a pretty basic sense, the issue is that these are guys who play a a sport, violent testosterone-driven yeah, it, uh, competitive violent. sport. Yeah, the the majority of like the players who play in that league all have relatively high levels of testosterone. That's the reason that they're the size that they are. That's the reason they are as strong as they are. Like that's the mentality. That's where the mentality comes from to play a, a physical rough sport like that and that's like i'm not trying to knock a man for trying to be a man you know if you want to beat on your chest and fucking howl at the moon then so be it that's cool but but men should also be able to you know do things like you know express their feelings uh because that, that's like uh like that's one of the underlying uh problems with this like uh because uh especially with the reaction of other nfl players calling uh martin soft uh you know uh because like there's this rigid expectation of uh, behavior for a man. You know, men can only do, behave in certain ways, and I think when you uh, when you brought up uh, the issue of like you know seeking help, uh, 
there's like a real problem in this country. Like uh, there's, a st- there's a stigma for men who are victims of domestic violence, whether, you know, uh, yeah, well, that, the whether thing is that there isn't a man who's uh, a victim of domestic violence. That's the idea. Right. Like, you know, it, they laugh and they tell, oh, you know, my wife beats me or. Yeah. My wife calls me bad names. My wife smacks me around. You say that and everyone laughs at you and they're like, well, why don't you hit your wife? And, uh, well, it's not right to hit your wife. Everyone should know that. Like, if you ask me that question, the the next question should be, what the hell's wrong with you, not what's wrong with me? And uh, I applaud Martin for, you know, standing up, you know, because this takes a lot of courage, you know. I doubt he'll ever be able to play in the NFL. At least I don't see him playing in the Dolphins again. I don't no, blame I, him. I, we, David and I had talked about this uh, at work, and that was, like, the inspiration for sitting down and talking about this tonight. And, and we both felt, why shouldn't the Indianapolis Colts pick him up? One thing that the Indianapolis Colts really need to improve on is their offensive line. He's been a former teammate of, you already said Andrew Luck, which means he also played with Kobe Fleener and Griff Whalen. Yeah, so he's he's got old friends on the team, that people that get along with him, mm-hmm. who think highly of him. And we know, we well, we know because we're Colts fans, but the atmosphere in Indianapolis sports is not, it's not like it is in other areas. Like, it's a smaller market. So, you know, you the, get to know the player, there's a lot of access for players. Uh, yeah, we can, I could, like, I could point out on the calendar once a week where a Colts player or a Pacers player will be out in the community doing something, going somewhere, giving away their time, giving away their money, whatever it may be. Like, that, that's the kind of atmosphere and behavior that, that you want from a team. And I think if, you know, I can't speak for the Colts, but if Jonathan Martin, after he's, like seeks seeks help and finds himself in the right mental place, I think he would have a great t- fit in the Indianapolis Colts roster. I'd love to see him play. I think part another reason why you maybe he was picked on it might have been you know kind of exacerbating the problem. Like I think he was ranked only like the 60th best uh, offensive line in the NFL. You know he's right. he wasn't you know uh, he was good in college. Like he was a really good run blocker, which you know. Um, you know, maybe well, the Colts could use that. You know, he might be uh, useful if, he, in the, if he's in a better environment. And with regard to the Colts and hazing, uh, when Coach Tony, Tony Dungy uh, came aboard in 2002, uh, one of the first things he told the organization is, "I'm not going to allow any hazing in my locker room." Yeah. And that's you know kind of continued uh, yeah since then because uh, yeah there's a lot of veterans who played under Coach Dungy, uh, Antoine Bethea, yeah. uh, Robert Mathis, Reggie Wayne, of course. Uh, I can't remember if Pat McAfee was it. Well, Adam Vinatieri certainly. Uh, yeah. And uh, there is some hazing uh, going on during uh, like uh, Colts training camp for rookies. Uh, Andrew Luck spoke about it, but it's the- it's mild. It's it's a different thing. It's more mm-hmm. like an initiation. Mm-hmm. Like there's some there are some minute things that need to be done for the team, like uh, getting uh, carrying a player's uh, pads from practice or uh, getting getting water during practice. And yeah. Luck mentioned that uh, during training camp, there's a rookie night where all the rookies have to perform a song in front of the entire team. And you know, he said, you know, it's, it's a very respectable place. You know, uh, Coach Pagano kind of keeps it that way. And another uh, team with a bright, you know, with a really positive uh, locker room environment uh, seems to be the Indiana Pacers. Uh, from uh, what I've heard, uh, George Hill, Danny Granger, uh, and Paul George all hang out together outside of... Uh... Yeah, from what I heard, they're also the best team in the NBA. Isn't that weird how the premier teams in the in the respective sports seem to be doing positive things in their communities and have positive activities going on within their organization? Imagine... Imagine that. And, you know, it, it, I mean, people also they often will point to p- coaches like, you know, Bob Knight, uh, you know. Uh, Great coach, but had some anger problems. And, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, he was still, you know, a horrible co- a horrible coach in the sense of how he treated players, uh, like, near the end of his career. You know, he wasn't recruiting, like, you know, people like uh, Steve Alford, uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, at a certain point, people will excuse, you know, behavior like that as long as you're winning, but... Yeah, well, we see that that that's a slippery slope mm-hmm. because once once it's accepted on an organizational level, then you have things going on amongst the players. And I don't know. I think to get back to Martin and Incognito in specific, I think he Martin was the biggest thing that people are criticizing him for, aside from. Step like coming forward and and talking about it to the to the media and to the public is that he didn't raise a fist. That w- why didn't he just beat up Incognito? Why didn't he just like 
confront him physically and that then that, that would resolve the issue and i'm not saying that you if you've got a bully that uh, hitting him in the face once or twice isn't going to stop the problem because it you know more than likely it will uh, people aggress because they think that they that the person they're aggressing towards is a victim and that they have that victim mentality they're not going to do anything about it but this is these are men, grown men who most of them have some sort of college education because it's required but they are on television once a week and it's I as long as far as I know it's the highly or the most highly watched uh it, it's the most po- popular sport in uh, the United States well I, I was under the impression that it it gets more views that the NFL gets more oh, views yeah. than anything else on television like it, it beat uh, game one of the world's like even like I, I think it was the Vikings Giants game uh it had higher ratings uh than game one of the World Series the next night yeah so so and it beat issue, NCIS you know one of the juggernauts in CBS yeah my issue then is should we be telling players who are in the spotlight in American pop culture on a weekly basis that the best way for them to resolve their differences is to get physical with each other? Because we we already know there's an epidemic of bullying in schools in this country, and we've seen it like range in intensity from you know just sending naked like. People will send naked photos of themselves to their boyfriend or girlfriend, and then they break up, and the and the boyfriend or the girlfriend's pissed. So they're like, "Well, I'm just going to show your naked photo to everyone in my school." Humiliation. Not, I mean, it's it's mentally and emotionally damaging, but it doesn't do any physical harm. But then there's also the degree of bullying where people get in fights, where people get shoved, they get, you know, locked in lockers, they get their asses kicked in the parking lot. Like these are these are things that haven't that have been happening as long as like as long as I know and I there's no good there's no good resolution for it and I don't think it's right to tell these people who are role models because because young guys high school age hell even younger they they watching the NFL like I I just started volunteering at a community center and uh the, the first day I'm in there, I've never met any of these kids, but I sit down with these three little boys to help them with their math homework. And the first thing they ask me, do you like football? Do you like basketball? What teams do you like? And they start talking about players and games that they watch and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, this is a 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. And if they're that, like, they're as engaged in sports as I am as a grown man, so they see what's going on. Is that the kind of... Is that the model that we want to have of behavior for for those young guys? Is that, oh well, if you have a problem with someone, you should probably just hit him in the face, or it's okay to talk bad about someone, defame them in public and in private, and you know make them go home and cry and feel bad about themselves. That's not right, and these kids aren't going to know that if they turn on the TV on Sunday to watch a football game and that's what they see. They're just going to think that's the normative behavior. I think uh, one thing also to consider uh, the d- dynamic of uh, Martin in that locker room. Uh, Martin went to Stanford. His parents uh, both went to Harvard. Uh, he actually, mm-hmm, he actually uh, had the opportunity to go to Harvard, but he chose Stanford because he wanted to play uh, football with uh, Coach Harbaugh. And if he had gone to Harvard, uh, he would have been uh, the first fourth-generation African-American at Harvard. He's actually considering going to law school after the NFL uh, but uh, most of the guys you're playing with, you know, incognito went to Nebraska. Some people from LSU, you know, different uh, different uh, environment, you know. So they might have, you know, uh, looked down on him because they thought he was, you know, maybe snobby or up a crust or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, with regard to him, you know, you know, fighting back against incognito. I mean, you know, it's like because uh, one thing uh, he got pressured into giving uh, incognito like fifteen thousand dollars to pay for a trip to Vegas. Uh, he, he and along with, I believe, other rookies had to do that. They've been, there's reports like the Dolphins veterans kind of using rookies as their personal uh, ATMs. Yeah. And uh, that's right. I, I think, you know, that, that's really hard, like, you know, because there's the dynamic of, you know, all for one, one for all in a locker room, you know. Right. To, you know, because uh, based on the, you know, Dolphins players, uh, both former and current, you know, speaking out for Incognito, it seems like, you know, he's a popular guy there. So, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, Stand up to somebody who's popular because you know you're going to stand alone. Uh. Well, I, yeah, that that's true. But I wonder, and I mean, I can't, I can't name the specific people who have come to uh, Mike Wallace. I think Incognitos 
Uh, Mike Wallace, uh, Ricky Williams to a certain extent. Okay. Uh, Ryan Tannehill to a certain extent because he, he was under the he said that you know he was under the impression that uh, th- those two were friends. Uh, no, he's a liar. Which uh, I mean, <laughs> he's because like uh, another article I read, uh, maybe it was that same article where, that you read in Grantland, uh, but it talks about how uh, like uh, the offensive line is you know, one of the goals is, you know. To get them really to jail because they, they need to work together to exactly. protect the quarterback, which they're not doing too well in Miami this year. Uh, but they're almost like you know a team within a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a fa- look. Uh, I read there's another article by uh, writer Andrew Sharp on Grant Line. He talks about uh, this and he brings up uh, the Miami Hurricanes O line from uh, 2001. Uh, Mm-hmm. There was kind of a similar dynamic as there is like a, in the Miami Dolphins locker room with regard to like you know using racial slurs and stuff like that. But uh, the thing is, uh, everyone was equal. Like all the O line guys, you know, were friends. You know, so there was some understanding that they you know they were allowed to use these words against each other. You know, there, there wasn't malice intended. Where you know, right? It's that it's that idea that it's okay because it's all in joke, but not everyone perceives it as a joke. There's an implied and an inferred meeting inferred meaning in everything that is said and what you are implying by using a racial slur towards someone or call or calling them a homophobic name or whatever that may be like what you imply by that may not be anything harmful you may just be using it as a term of endearment in some sick fashion but it's about how that guy how how comfortable he is yeah how does he receive that how does he receive that does he feel like you're actually his friend and you're actually just calling him sweetheart? I don't think so. Um, I just need to take a second to interrupt this conversation. Our producer and editor has been tapping us on the shoulder repeatedly. He's not too happy with a comment we just made about how the NFL is the best watched thing on NFL. Or, I mean, on television in the United States. But it would seem that, in actuality, The Walking Dead is the most popular thing on U.S. television. So, aside from watching grown men hit each other and break each other's limbs and break each other's spirits emotionally and mentally, Americans also like to watch people shoot zombies in the head. Well, The Walking Dead has uh, beat Sunday Night Football 3-1 to one in the four episodes of so far this, this season, season of The Walking Dead. Are there any NFL players in The Walking Dead cast? No. I have no explanation. But the NFL can't have Peyton Manning every Sunday night, so... That's true. I mean, if they could have a star-studded cast every night... Yeah, they, if they had Indianapolis versus uh, Denver every night... That's true. That might give that might give the Walking Dead a run for their money. But uh, just to jump back mm-hmm. into the conversation, one thing I wanted to say, because there are players, as you mentioned, that are coming to Incognito's defense. How are you going to defend... Like, I could understand initially saying, oh, well, Martin's out <laughs> of line, and this is something they should have discussed between themselves... But when you read the transcripts of the phone messages and when you see what he posted on Twitter and when you hear the kinds of things that he was making, like he was uh, enticing or inciting Martin to do, how the hell are you going to defend a guy like that? That's like saying, I mean, nobody likes to talk about Adolf Hitler, but I'm going to bring it up. That's like saying, oh, it, it was all justified in the end. I mean, yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was just joking around. I know it's not that extreme, but it's, it's the same principles that how do you there's something that you know is morally wrong, but you're going to defend it based on some stupid boys club principle. I, I do think uh I just thought of uh, one reason why they might be coming to his defense. Uh All right, uh, for uh yeah, you know, I'm not going to get get into specifics politically, but you know, for example, you know, uh if uh you were presented with somebody on who on the surface had like, you know, Diametrically opposing uh, political views, you might you, you might be like, all right, I I don't like this person immediately, but you know, I'm sure there's people in your lives, you know, who have, uh, you know, political views are different from your own, but yeah, you're able to be friends with them. Uh, oh yeah, totally. Like I, I mean, you you know Ryan, for instance, mm-hmm. our our friend is a ardent libertarian, and for the majority of my life, I've always aligned myself with more liberal politic, and he and I had countless. Discussions about these things, but to this day, I know I could send him a text message right now, and we could hang out, and there's no there's no animosity between us. Like it, it's all in good, in very. Uh, what I want to say, I mean, it's all discourse. It's all polite, and we know there's a line between talking about things and unnecessarily berating each other with no goal. And I do think, and I can understand why, you know, some people aren't able to, you know, be, maintain friendships with uh, 
people of other uh, political views. For example, I could see why, you know, uh, why a woman would, you know, have a hard time being friends with a uh, Republican because of, you know, uh, it, it's hard to, you know, detach yourself when, you know, po- when the uh, politics are personal, like, you know, uh, for example, like, you know, some of the Republican you know, legislation regarding Planned Parenthood, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's it's hard to detach yourself from that, but I, I do think that maybe that mentality, like, you know, uh, with some of those guys in the locker room, you know, they're able to that stuff. You know, uh, incognito's uh, words don't uh, you know affect them, but you know, Mar- clearly, you know, they affected Martin. And uh, somebody brought up a good point, uh, comparison, uh, like when t- in, in uh, one of the number numerous articles I read, read about this. Uh, they talked about uh, this in the comment section. They talked about uh, Full Metal Jacket and. Uh, mm-hmm. The drill sergeant in that, and uh, Private Pyle, and how you know, for, for most of the movie, he just berates him, and you know, on the eve of graduation, you know, he he, he shoots his drill sergeant and shoots himself, uh, and this is just you know, may, maybe if uh, you know near the end of the training, you know, once uh, he you know achieved the goals, if you know, the drill sergeant had made a point to uh, commend him in front of the others, you know, because because yeah. I mean, you know, yes, you can be hard on people, uh, you know, to, to you know, kind of draw. Uh, drive them to achieve better to, if you know that they have the potential to do so but uh yeah it takes you, you also you know it can't yeah there has to be a stick and a carrot you know you uh, i agree it takes a fair level it takes a fair amount of pain to bring out the full potential in a person that does not say physical pain or anything like that but you know it you have to be willing to do what you don't want to do and you have to be willing to do the things that you would never think to do to make yourself better at whatever whatever you want to make a profession out of and so I, I mean, the coach is there to push these guys to the level they don't know that they have inside, like the potential that they don't know they have. But Incognito's behavior was in no way constructive, and I don't know. I mean, my initial instinct after reading the the article on Grantland, and like even in talking now, I just keep finding myself wanting to say really hateful and rude things about him. But I realize that that is the kind of behavior that he was. That, that he is guilty of, and that's the kind of thing that is causing the issue. So to, I mean, to just sit here and talk about how bad of a person he is and, and make fun of him for having a terrible last name, which he chose, and all of these things, like, it doesn't it doesn't do anything but to validate his actions, to say that when somebody is picking on you, you should just, uh, you should just aggress towards them, or that just because you don't like someone or something about someone that you should that you should be rude to them or say say rude things to them i don't what what you were talking about like the the tough love is what i would call it mm-hmm. you know i mean it's not it's not like that with the coach that they're not they're not the mom or the parent of the of the player they're just there to encourage them to to play better but you know there's a there is a line that gets crossed when you don't offer the that um What's the word? Uh, recognition, and it should be meaningful recognition. Like, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff that's going on. Like, for example, Lance Stevenson on the Pacers. Like, he's really improved himself as a player. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and he had some off-court uh, legal uh, issues. Like, uh, prior to being uh, prior to because uh, he was uh, being uh, uh, looked at by uh, Kansas, uh, but uh, but after you know, he had some uh, legal issues, uh, he was uh, he went to the University of Cincinnati for uh, for college. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, he came to the NBA, you know, stuff he needed to work on. But, you know, Larry Bird's been mentoring him. Uh, and, you know, you can see real results, like, in terms of uh, his uh, points per game, rebounds. Uh, I would say his, his attitude as and, a whole. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, last, last year, I always felt like, watch, watching Lance Stevenson, I always felt like he was really angry. He, like, he looked like when he went out on the field, he took all this this aggression with him. Or not on the field, but onto the court. He mm-hmm. looked like he took all this aggression with him. And that's, you know, it's fine to play... Like you, like you've got something to prove because to an extent you do. You have to prove that you're better than the than the opposing team. But like we've been saying this whole time, the negative, the negativity, the negative energy behind any sort of physical game can only lead to unnecessary violence, whether it's physical violence or or verbal. There was uh, two separate incidences. Uh, I mean, that I know of with Michael Jordan. Uh, uh, one was like uh, I think it was the first year he came back to the NBA or the second, uh, but during a practice, uh, uh, Steve Kerr didn't like what he said and he said something to Jordan and uh, it got physical. Uh, Jordan punched Steve uh, Kerr in the face, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, 
the article I read, and you mentioned that you know that was you know, that was a big moment for Jordan because he realized you know, hey, I'm I'm being a total dickhead. I I I need to gel better with these guys. You know, I need to change right. my ways. Uh, and then uh, with a, uh, I forget the player's first name. I I, say, I want to say Kwame Kwame Brown, uh, who played for the Washington Wizards, uh, which Jordan was part owner for. Uh, right. Jordan berated him in front of. Uh, in front of the entire team during practice, he uh, called him the F word, uh, and like this, this is his rookie season, and like right. you know, it, that's, that's he was kind of a draft way. bust. Uh, yeah, that's not a good way to be introduced into the league. It's not professional. I mean, you know, it's uh, being you're being uh, dressed down by you know an NBA legend. I'm plus, about to take my shoes off right now. I'm so upset. Plus the guy who uh, you know drafted you. It's yeah, that's not that's not cool. Yeah, well, I I recently compare uh, that to like Le, for example LeBron, like you know. Uh, Really, no, uh, no off-court issues I can think of at all. I mean, you know. No, and he plays. He <laughs> plays with a very high a level of intensity. You can tell that when he goes on the court, he's there to do one thing and one thing only, and that is destroy. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, something I don't like about it—the way he plays. Like, I, sometimes I think it can be a little bit whiny with the refs. But you know, Jordan was the same way. But you know, in interviews, you know, total class act, nice guy. Yeah, you know, we, we've said multiple times we don't we don't hate him as a person. We don't like him because. He's a part of the Miami Fab Three, well, Fab Four, as it were. And big Three, Big Three, whatever they call them, and th- we just don't like him because he's a rival. But he's a good, he's a good guy. Like when I watch his commercials on television, I'm like, man, you and your family are just too cute. This isn't right. You know, he married his. Uh, that's his high school sweetheart. Yes, I did, and that makes me like him even more. I mean, uh, yeah. So and look at him. He's on the verge of you know uh, he's gone to three NBA Finals and uh, three years, won two of them. He might be on the verge of another title i mean right. another proof that you know you can win by uh being you know a de- decent person not, not a dick bag oh definitely definitely i think i think that the the biggest thing to to be learned the biggest lesson to be learned from from the whole fiasco i'll say is that america and the news media in particular, because they're the ones who decide, they're the ones who paint the picture of what of what happens for the rest of us. Like we don't we don't know that something goes on unless we read it in a news article or we see it on the television. Most of the time, it, we're removed from it geographically, whatever for whatever reason we don't know. But we have to be a more empathetic and more caring people. Like we are using football as a means to like farm out our our personal aggression when you watch a game and you're like you're rooting for your team but it gets more intense than that because if your team's down you're rooting for an injury or anything that will turn the tide or if you're if you're playing you know the 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 big rival team like for for the Colts it's always been the Texans or the Titans or, or the Patriots or the Patriots yeah where we've always gone like it's all so many contests with them that have gone to the wire and so many you know so many feelings connected with losses and victories over those teams that when we as fans sit down and watch that, we we go to another place and and like I know personally, I will shout all kinds of terrible and mean things at the television while a game is on, and I will wish some of the most terrible acts to occur to an opponent. Like my, uh, I to the point where my mom doesn't even want to watch sports with me anymore because I'll say things so foul that my my mom's a very tolerant woman, uh, and I'm known for not being the the most politically appropriate. But, it, I mean, that I, I can't, in good conscience, I can't watch the games on Sunday and, and feel the same way. Like, I feel like there needs to be a more, um, what's, uh, there needs to be more emphasis put on the peop- the players as people and less mm-hmm. emphasis on what happens on the, on the field or on the court. We got we to gotta remember that these are people in the end and they have the same kind of problems that you and I have. Mental health is not a joke, you know, there's no, I mean, we can't even say that Martin didn't have some sort of mental issue that he was tackling on his own prior to joining the Dolphins, and that this just, you know, helped, like, threw everything out of, off kilter for him. I know in my family, like, we have a, a long history of not having the best mental health, so I know that it can happen to anybody, and for no for no apparent reason, so why, why don't we agree to care more about other people like care more about our celebrities and the these icons in our society instead of treating them like toys that we can use and smash against each other to make ourselves feel better because our boss 
was rude to us on Friday or or a customer gave us a hard time or whatever the reason may be. I think that the it, the the culture in the NFL because we're talking about this issue happening in the NFL, I think the culture in the NFL needs to change, but more specifically, we need to look at our culture as a country because the culture in the locker room comes from what we teach here. Like what we teach to our kids, what we teach them in school, what parents say. I I think one thing that we haven't got a chance to talk about yet that uh, that pertains to the issue is is the fact that now you said Jeffrey or Jonathan Martin might not play in the league again. Certainly not for the Dolphins, and the reason being they gave up his spot. He said, "I need to seek some. You know, I'm I need to go seek some help. I need some mental attention." And as a result, he lost his job. Well, he took an indefinite leave from the team, uh, but then you might have moved him up from. Uh, but uh, I think one thing to consider is like you know uh, there have been like uh, in the last two years there's been like four or five NFL players who killed themselves. Uh, Junior Seau. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Devon Bel- is a uh, Devon Belcher, I think, for the the Chiefs player who uh, shot his girlfriend, girlfriend and, and his kid and himself in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, I mean, uh, you know, there's kind of this uh, culture in the NFL, you know, uh, where you play hurt, like where you know you uh, kind of you know uh, if you have a concussion, you know, uh, you play with it because you know. Uh, yeah, none of this money is guaranteed. Usually, you know, you can you, you lose your uh, starting job just like that, and you know you want to make as much money as you can, and you know. Really, it's the next man up, and you know that's why you have people like you know RG three playing on like a hurt knee. Uh. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think uh, some of the more recent injuries like that, like uh, Darren Sproles got injured. I know in the first few minutes of the of the Saints last game and got a concussion, but he was practicing in full as of uh, Wednesday, and he's expected to be on the field now. I mean. Hopefully that means his concussion wasn't very severe, and they say that he's gone through all the NFL protocols and been checked out by all the doctors and all that stuff. But that, I don't know, that's still, because we know that they're, the predisposition is to faint health and continue to play because if you are, if your injury isn't, if your injury isn't easily distinguishable, then people don't empathize with it. Right. Uh, look at what happened with Jay Cutler uh, and the NFC Championship game against Green Bay uh, in the 2009-2010 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, he's uh, standing, but, you know, he actually, uh, I think he tore, like, his, like an MCL, or, you know, it was a pretty serious injury. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, part of that goes, like, the locker room culture where, you know, uh, everybody, you know, uh, they don't want to show any sign of weakness. You know, they want to be there for, you know, their teammates who are, like, you know, brothers, uh, hopefully in a good environment. Uh, right. And, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not surprising that, you know, uh, mental health uh, gets overlooked. I mean, it's, that's uh, always been a problem in this country where, you know, uh, when, you know, if somebody's going through depression, you know, uh, some people uh, will sell them, you know, just get over it, you know. What do you, what do you have to be sad about? I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, a body part just breaks, uh, you know, your brain can break just like that. You know, it can't be, it might be from stress or, you know, just, you know, be predisposed to it because of family history, you know, it, when your brain breaks, I mean, you really can't do it. It's basically like having a broken bone or something like that. You know, just have to no, I, do what you can worse. to get better. It's 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 worse than that because if your brain, if your brain won't function properly, that impedes all the other functions of your body. Like if you if you have a broken arm, it's gonna be hard for you to catch a ball. It's gonna it might be hard for you to use a fork, right? It depends mm-hmm. on which which arm you injure if it's your primary arm or not. But if if you're suffering from some sort of mental issue, whether it be depression or I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what we would classify uh, Martin's. It's like probably something like that. And uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, mental health kind of gets over, you know, people ignore that. uh, Like, uh, for example, uh, Brandon Marshall from the Chicago Bears, uh, he uh, he's been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And that's Mm -hmm. that's a really hard uh, condition to live with sometimes. Uh, He actually was fined by the league. a couple weeks ago, he, weeks ago, he wore uh, green shoes, uh, for, which were for uh, mental, he- wellness, uh, mental health awareness week. And uh, he actually yeah, spoke out about uh, the situation and had some really good comments about uh, kind of the nature of the NFL. And he kind of brought up, again, like we were talking about uh, toxic masculinity. He talked about how, you know, if a boy falls down, skins his knee, you know, you tell him to, you know, tough, toughen up, uh, rub some dirt on it. But, you know, if a girl falls down, you know, you validate their feelings and, you know. Yeah, you pick them up. If you're if you're if my if I had a daughter and she 
scraped her knee up or whatever, and she started crying, that'd be the first thing I'd do. I'd run over there, I'd sweep her up, I'd be like, oh, it's okay, sweetheart. Are you okay? Let daddy see, let daddy see. And even if there was, like, no visual, even if there's not, like, a, a tiny scrape, you know, you still tell, you still tell her that, that, you know, that it's all right, and that she doesn't need to be sad, and that it's going to be okay. But if it's a, yeah, if it's a kid, if it's, if it's a young boy, you just tell him to bury whatever, whatever he's feeling, just put it away. And that's really, I mean, that's the kind of thing that Martin was made to, or at least Martin felt like he had to do that as well. It's like, he's a grown man. There's no room for crying. There's no room for your feelings getting hurt. It, I mean, if he'd have broken a limb and he was crying on the field, people wouldn't have said anything. But because his feelings got hurt and he spoke out about it, now he's soft and he's weak. And I personally, I... Like, I don't know any other method of dealing with your with your mental issues. Like, I don't know how you're supposed to get past feeling bad about something if you don't talk about it with someone. That's... And uh, speaking of, you know, soft, I mean, like, uh, recently, like, I, on Twitter, like, uh, near the end of the Broncos game when Reggie Wayne went down, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, when there were reports of him, Reggie Wayne crying when he was walking out the field, uh, people were calling him soft. This is before they found out that, right, you know, he walked off the field with, with an ACL, with a torn ACL. Basically, the muscle and tissue behind his kneecap were ripped, and he walked. He bent his leg at a 45-degree angle and walked off the field and into the locker room. I don't... Rambo, the only thing that I can think of, like, a man going through that much physical duress and still performing his duties or, like, still being able to maintain his composure is Rambo. And that's and that's fiction, so... And, you know, part of it might have been, you know, uh, the agony and then also, you know... Because, you know, he cares about that yeah, team. Yeah, really disappointed that he wasn't going to be there for his teammates. I don't know. I just... Hopefully, people will learn from... Jonathan Martin and how he handled himself in this situation because I think as as Brian Phillips said in the article which for me is the only reason that I'm talking about this right now like he he needs to be commended for being strong enough to handle it in a professional and adult manner to not retaliate physically to not just start sending his own hate texts and phone calls to Richie Incognito instead he turned the other cheek and when he could not bear the the brunt of of the uh, attack anymore, he did the only thing that that made sense to me and was spoke out about. He got someone to acknowledge that there was something wrong happening, and took a nonviolent course of action to to solve his problems. Some. It, Sometimes the uh, truth strength uh, is, is not fighting. I mean, you know, it's yeah. What was the what was the he, the title of the article? Man up, declaring war a war on warrior culture in the wake of the Miami Dolphin Dolphins bullying scandal, and he goes on to say that, you know, that that the mark of a true man is that he doesn't always have to resolve his his issues with violence, that he knows that there's a right place and a right time for you to use physical violence as a response to a problem. Like if someone breaks into your house or they're threatening your well-being. But when it's just senseless name-calling and and berating and what's the word? I can't think of a, the word I want, but you know that in those situations the best the best way to solve the problem is with words because that is what started the problem in the first place and you know uh by you know going to the media you know he can bring this uh, scenario this to, to life you know might cause uh journalists to investigate the locker rooms of other uh nfl teams uh yeah it could uncover some more stuff that and, and you know it could help it can help an, one maybe just one other player you know not have to go through the same sort of mental torture that martin did and if it prevents if it prevents young guy from shooting themselves in the head and it teaches even younger kids that the best way to deal with a bully is to get someone else on your side and not try and handle it by yourself, then I, I think that that's all that we could ask from, from Jonathan Martin.
I don't know, is there anything else that you have to add? I guess, you know, really, you know, I mean, yeah, there's ways to, you know, kind of address the toxic uh, uh, culture of the locker room, uh, but really, uh, to make a more permanent change, you know, we really have to, you know, kind of change, you know, how uh, we as a society, you know, perceive, you know, the, uh, the gender roles. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, like some of the traits associated with masculinity, like, you know, being strong, tough, yeah. but, you know, uh, a man should be able to do all those things. A woman should be able to be those things as well. You know, it, there should be like, you know, uh, it shouldn't be a narrow set of traits that you can have. You can have like, you know, this whole wide range of them, and it's okay if you uh, yeah, there's, there's, have some of them or none of them. I, I know for sure that there's a professional female tackle football. Mm-hmm. Like, I... There used to be a team in India, I think the Vipers a number of years ago. Yeah, I know that I know that there are women who play tackle football and I mean they may not make a lot of they don't make a lot of money because it's not a there's not a large market for it, but that's just saying that there's no there's nothing special about a 300-pound man who can bench press one and a half times his body weight and squat twice his body weight hitting another man. That's just like smacking two large rocks together. I don't know. Hopefully, people will learn, and hopefully Richie Incognito will never be allowed back into the NFL ever again. Yeah, I mean, this should be the last straw. I mean, he's had, this is like, you know, it's not like this is, you know, a first-time incident with him, uh, whereas, you know, you would still, you know, want to punish him severely, you know, suspend him indefinitely. Uh, but, you know, I would still wouldn't want, him on, I wouldn't want him on my team, but, you know, there's this, and I, I believe last year he was accused of assaulting a woman. I'm I've only read the. I haven't really read too much of it, but you know, it seems like you know. There's a lot of question marks. Part and in this parcel, class, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that about wraps it up uh, for this episode of uh, the special episode of Kind of Epic Show. Yeah, hopefully, well, actually, not hopefully, but should any of you other professional sports players feel the need to act like a jackass, and then we can find out about it, we'll gladly tear you apart and. Talk about all the things that you do wrong. Uh, if you like this episode, uh, want to join the discussion, uh, feel free to reach out to us on our uh, Facebook page, uh, Kind of Epic Show, or reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we'd love uh, your comments and feedback. And if you'd like to see uh, more uh, episodes that are kind of off the beaten path for our normal topics, maybe another sports episode, you know, feel free to you know, send us a message, give us some ideas. You know, I'm sure yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, Pacers and Colts. Uh, we're avid sports fans. I mean, I, I generally watch... It's very rare that I miss a game on a Sunday. So, I mean, if there's a sports issue that's going on and we and you want to hear about it, like you want to hear what we have to say about it, just let us know. In fact, I mean, sports has kind of become super geeky uh, and within the last you know a couple of decades. I mean, you have the rise of uh, the sabermetrics guys and uh, yeah. you know in, and uh, you know in baseball and even like uh, basketball and football uh, where you kind of look at like you know the data you know kind of determine you know how you can uh, best construct a team. I mean, fantasy football, uh, fantasy sports in general, you know, are pretty geeky. Uh, so you know, yeah, that actually there is one more thing that I wanted to say, and you just brought it up. But I'll be very brief. That this is something. I mean, we've always prided ourselves on being a podcast for nerds about things that nerds find relevant and any any really anything in pop culture that there's a fandom for. But this bullying is something that I think that a lot of our you the listeners will may feel some sort of personal connection to because I know that you know when when we're younger it can be really tough when you are quiet or you're not as big as the other guys or you don't look as much like as fully developed as the other guys or maybe you like comics or maybe you rather watch sci-fi movies than play sports the, Jonathan Martin showed those kids who cannot stand up for themselves physically what the proper means of action are for addressing a bully and I think for that you know he's a real hero and I think like you know uh, you can look at uh, look to other athletes as like you know bright points for geeks I mean uh the nerdiest player I can think of, you know, in all the sports. You might be wearing his jersey. I don't know. No, no. Uh, oh. Roy is kind of geeky. I mean, because, you know, he knows Simpsons and, you know, uh, he hangs out with, you know, comedy writers for, like, you know, beloved cult shows like Parks and Recreation. But I was thinking Andrew Luck. I mean, like, oh, the yeah. guy rides around on, around on a bike all the time at Stanford. He has a flip phone. He reads uh, historical fiction for fun. Uh, he can geek out about world soccer. You know, he's kind of has, has his image as, uh, you know, a nerd. Uh, but he's also super athletic and, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean. Yeah. So, you know, so, like, you know, as you're talking about how, like, you know, there really shouldn't be, like, a narrow uh, definition for, you know, what is a be- nerd? Yeah. For, for, being a, uh, for being a man, you, there's not really a narrow one for being a nerd, you know, uh, you can be nerdy about really anything, football, basketball, uh, the Klingon Empire, yeah, it can anything, be. really. 
Yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys, and we will catch you next week. Monday. Monday. And as our beloved producer is not allowed to say this time, have a week, guys. Listeners, this is Micus, creator of the kind of epic theme song Zombie Kids. If you're interested in finding out more about my music, you can check me out at micusmusic.com. Also, I am on iTunes, Facebook, and SoundCloud. You can look me up as Micus Music, and that's M I K U S, and you know the rest. All right, peace out, everyone. Keep listening.